I think we all at one point or another desired more transparency from the baseball clubs we follow. Just not from their pants. You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. <laughs> About to go full Jay Leno here. A segment of our audience never watched Jay Leno on late nights. So they have no idea. Did you see this? Did you hear about this? Zach, did you see the story of the asteroid that, that passed by the Earth? 140,000 no, miles away. But, ah, oh, man, that far. <laughs> the story that I read, the size of 16 washing machines, continuing the narrative that we'll do anything to actually avoid using real <laughs> units of measurement, 16 washing machines. And I thought, <laughs> if I have to choose between that asteroid landing on my head or seeing those transparent pants again in another photo, I think i choose the asteroid. Mm. I think I choose the asteroid. What's your favorite element of the new uniforms? Is it the uh, size four font on the letters in each player's <laughs> name? You, Is I, it the uh, ability to see if a player is wearing boxers or briefs? Is it the just random choices of thickness of the trim around the sleeves? I do, here's a hot day. I don't hate if they figure out the spacing on the names. I don't mind the smaller font. It actually doesn't bother me. For whatever reason, it, it doesn't bother me. I, I thought they it looked should. fine. You can say that, but I, I can't impact the way that I feel. It, it looks fine to me. But it was when we got to the pants being see-through <laughs> way too much. And it coincides with every team's picture day. So every team is documented for the rest of time. Put that in a time capsule and bury that underneath the earth. So 50 years from now, they dig that up and go... Oh my God! What were they wearing? <laughs> yeah, I, I yikes! It's, it's the most like national attention baseball's gotten in a long time. So I guess standing ovation for <laughs> Nike and Fanatics. Wow. Okay. Well, we didn't gather here today to talk about below the belt. At least not not in that direction. So a lot we can discuss today. You've got our new roster projection over at The Athletic, which I kind of want to dig into. There's a topic that you've been avoiding for several weeks that I really want to dig into. Some Sam Hench's hype, which I am so here for. Let's start with, as we're getting ready for games to begin, that means Stephen Vogt's going to be filling out his first lineup card. And he's talked about that a little bit this week. One, A couple of things that I found interesting. One, he said that there are going to be some days that Jose is better as their two-hitter and some days better as their three-hitter. And I thought that was interesting. What's the day where he's the better three-hole hitter compared to the two-hole hitter? Maybe it is. But he also said that he's not opposed to shifting the lineup on a daily basis, which is really the opposite of what Terry Francona was willing to do. Now, he will he would have shifted up like a lefty-righty platoon sort of matchup. Wasn't opposed to that. But you didn't see him tinkering too much with, okay, on... This day, my leadoff hitter is going to be this, and on this day, my two-hole hitter is going to be different than the, the day before. He liked everyone to kind of know where they were going to be in the lineup. 
And I thought that was interesting. Did I read too much into that? Was that just something he's saying on a random Wednesday? Or do we think that that vote is going to be willing to shift the lineup based on matchups or maybe what the gut is saying on a particular day? Yeah, I mean, he said the goal is to beat the starter. So how... I mean, the obvious thing with Jose hitting second or hitting third is is there somebody who he likes in the two spot against lefties or righties that he doesn't against the other handedness of a pitcher? I don't know who that would be. You know, I, I off the top of my head, like I don't think Jimenez has had drastic splits. In fact, his really good year in 2022, I think he was far better against lefties. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. This is, it, it's exciting and I, we should probably temper our expectations. I don't think what he trots out there for the Cactus League opener is going to be representative of what we should expect on March 28th in Oakland, but maybe you'll learn a thing or two. I don't know. Remember like, uh, remember back in the day, I, I don't think it happens as often, but you always see like the catcher hitting first or second because they wanted to get the catcher more at bats. So I don't, I don't, but I know that if Bo Naylor's hitting first on Saturday, you're going to go nuts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I would consider him a candidate to be hitting first in the real lineup. But in fairness, we flip out over, over Cactus League lineups more than we should. But even at the beginning of the season, there are days where Tyler Naquin's hitting third. <laughs> the beginning of the year and that had nothing to do with what the end of the year lineup is going to look like so we react to what's in front of us and what's in front of us is the debate of where jose ramirez should be hitting in this lineup we'll see where they think he should be but is there any question in your mind that he shouldn't be hitting second should he be hitting third should he be hitting somewhere else i think we have to come to an agreement that if you and I are managing this team, we can't care about uh, splitting up lefties in a lineup. There are so many lefties on this roster, and it's just the way it's going to go. I mean, you've been asking me what my dream lineup is for them in a month, and I think it's got five lefties in a row, and I don't know how to break them up. Say, <laughs> I knew it was a problem. But I didn't know how much of a problem until I sat down to do this. Yeah, you'd like to break them up. And maybe that's that's where Vote is thinking about Jose shifts down to three because at least there he breaks up a sting a string of of lefties. But you said, isn't the goal to beat the starter? And if it's a right-handed starter, what's wrong with stacking the lineup with all the lefties to try to get him to put up as many runs as you can against the righty? And then if they bring in the lefty later in the game, Maybe you adjust off of that. You can be aggressive with your pinch hitting. Maybe that's where Ramon Laureano enters into the equation. Or Davison De Los Santos enters into the equation. Somebody that's hitting from the right side. But if the goal is to beat the starter, it shouldn't matter that you've stacked all the lefties because that's maybe what you think your best lineup is against that right-handed starter. Yeah, there's a lot of variables here because, for instance, there are going to be changes based on lefty-righty. Do you have, if, if it's a lefty on the mound, let's say you're going with a Brennan-Loriano split in right field, does Brennan hit in the same spot against lefties or against righties that Loriano does against lefties? Like, that might change, right? And you have to think about 
the late game pinch hit. So if you really like Bo Naylor against righties so much that you wanted him second, what happens if they bring in a lefty to face him late in the game? You're either going lefty-lefty or you're pinch-hitting Hedges and Hedges is hitting in front of Jose Ramirez. So there's a lot to think through. I, I think Terry Francona sort of hinted at this stuff maybe more than we realized that what could happen in the seventh and eighth innings also factors into the equation. But with this lineup, to me, the bottom line, there's a lot of lefties and they just need they just need offense. They just need runs. So so be it. You know, you have to feel confident that Josh Naylor can hit lefties the way he did last year, and then you don't care. Jimenez can hit lefties the way he did two years ago, and you don't care. That changes things a lot. So instead of maybe looking at it handedness, you got to look at it as who can handle lefties. I mean, Gabriel Arias hits righties, and he went nine for 108 with 54 strikeouts against lefties last year. So just because you throw a righty into the mix doesn't mean it's going to improve things. Right. So right. it's tricky. I, I think the big problem to me is like the middle of the lineup, that four through six area feels like it's missing somebody. Uh, amazing. Amazing. That's That hasn't been the case for just so long here recently. <laughs> the bottom of the lineup doesn't seem to go together well. By the way, welcome to the show. I'm TJ, that's Zach. It's the Selby is Guidecast. Thanks for clicking play on Apple Podcasts, whenever that shows up on your feed. Spotify. We're now on Amazon and Audible, I believe. I submitted that. We got some requests for that, so we got that there. And, of course, thank you for watching at YouTube. Go down there, click subscribe, click like. And join part of our, our community here. And, of course, if you want more of this, patreon.com slash Godcast is where you can find it for a dollar per episode. Give me your lineup. I want the lineup. I, I wrote down mine. First, let me tear yours apart, and then I can feel better about mine. <laughs> is this... Who's on the mound? Just uh, your average Joe Schmo righty. Mm-hmm. He's got good stuff. Does he? You're not familiar with the Schmo Sweeper? <laughs> um, all right. Batting first in left field, Stephen Kwan. Batting let me, second. Let me stop you right there. No, I'm, I'm, I'll let you go. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> all right, I've got Jose Ramirez hitting second at third base. I have Josh Naylor hitting third at first base. <sighs> I've got, mm, I got is, Bo Naylor hitting This fourth. is your ideal lineup. Not what do you think they're going to do. What would you do if you're running them out there? There is no ideal lineup, but this is what I'm doing. Bo Naylor fourth. Why is your jaw not dropping? That's That's a choice. That is a okay. choice. See, here's... Yeah, this is such a mess. I can't I'm wait until they pinch it and Austin Hedges is hitting cleanup late in the game. I can't wait. I know. Can't wait. Get, David Fry. You need a David Fry. That's what you need a David Fry for. Kyle Manzardo, fifth. At DH. Andres Jimenez, sixth. At second base. Oh, I have some thoughts going through my head right now. <sighs> this is where it gets really messy. Um... <laughs> because then I could go like 
All the righties are at the bottom. How much... We can, we can talk about this in a minute, but if Estevan Florial just becomes awesome, and that's... I'm not acting if, like it's if. a 50-50 chance here. <laughs> when? It changes so much. I'm going to go him seventh in center. Rogio eighth at short. And Brennan ninth and right. I hate I'm that lineup. Ron Burgundy? Yeah. But here, let me give some it depends clarification. Okay. The big thing is whether Manzardo can hit lefties. If Jimenez is 2022 Jimenez, I have no problem him hitting second. I just don't know. If he's last year's guy, I don't want that guy getting more at-bats than the Nailers. Um, So that middle part of the lineup that I referenced earlier, like that's all subject to change. You could reorder that however you want, and I probably wouldn't argue. Um. I went Rokio, but like, I, I don't really have a good feel on shortstop. I I honestly just want a switch hitter in there, I think. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's not great. You're just picking it based on handedness, but you can't separate them in any other way. All right, here's mine. Are you ready to tear mine apart? You're going to be... Off the wall, just to be off the wall. I mean, sort of, but I, I maybe want to switch things up to see if we can jumpstart something else. Can I predict yours? Sure. I would love that, actually. Just tell me one thing. Do you have Quan first? No. Okay. You're so annoying. Go ahead. <laughs> why Why can't we debate who's hitting leadoff? There's a reason behind why I want... In this case, I, I was deciding You're gonna between, go Jimenez. between two guys, Bo Naylor... And Andre Semenes. I ended up going with Andre Semenes. The reason for it, yes, it's nice to have a guy that takes lots of pitches and and takes his walks. Hopefully, Jimenez is more of what he was two years ago because there the on-base percentage is fine. Now, partially fueled by a lot of hit-by-pitches, but that's a skill. I told you before, that's a skill. That's how you have to get him out. And so if he's good, he's going to get hit-by-pitches. He'll get on base that way. I like a guy that doesn't make it easy for the pitcher initially. First pitch of the game. I had I can't it's not just a layup. Stephen Kwan comes up. Even if I throw him a strike, I I'm pretty sure he's not going to hit it out of the park. I'm not going to be trailing one nah, nothing. He's swinging with more intent okay, now. Okay, well, we'll see when that actually happens. I I got to believe that the guy that has more of the 17 home run power is more legitimate home run threat than the guy that that that's been what Kwan has been. Now, if he's Showing a different skill set, we'll rethink this. The lineup on opening day is certainly not the lineup 15 days into the season, necessarily. But Jimenez, you at least have to respect his power a little bit. And Quan is just not aggressive at all. He's the opposite. He's so passive, or has been very passive. And so I, I don't like the fact that the pitcher feels like he can throw his first five pitches just like... All right, let me ease into this game and feel good about where I'm at. And let me let me figure out where my stuff is as I work this hitter that I know is not going to swing the bat too often. No, I kind of like a guy that might ambush the pitcher right off the, the bat there. And so that, that was my thinking behind it. Now, if Jimenez is not getting on base a ton, we'll rethink that. But just let me go with this. Ramirez, two. Quan, three. Huh? 
Juan three because I like because oh, he's swinging with more intent. Cause, yeah, because he's doing that. I like that maybe he would be up. Can with you imagine him. saying this to Mike Hargrove in 1995? <laughs> by the way, I like the Quan. Maybe his skill set is better suited when there are there's traffic on the bases and and now he can hit the ball all over the yard. And maybe there are mm-hmm. more holes open because Jose's at first base. They've walked him or so. So now you're talking about a guy with runners in scoring position that perhaps with his skill set it's better served. I don't know. I don't know. But we'll 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 just go with it in this lineup. Fourth, Josh Naylor. Not going to put him any lower than fourth. Here's where things just got really difficult for me. I, in my lineup, Kyle Manzardo is on this team, so he's hitting fifth. And as it, it was at this point that I realized, oh, no, everybody in this lineup is going to be left-handed. Uh-huh. And that's when I just had to, to come to the realization it's fine because you're facing a right-handed pitcher in this case. Then I slotted in Bo Naylor sixth, Will Brennan seventh, Gabriel Arias eighth, and Estevan Floreal hitting ninth. I thought maybe you could utilize his speed at the bottom of the lineup to be a, that secondary leadoff hitter, but also a guy that can bop one out of the yard. And this will change a week into the season, but that was my initial thought on what my ideal lineup would look like. I I, don't, I actually don't think we're that far off here. I, I think my thing with Jimenez, because I look at this and I'm like, ugh, probably don't want him hitting sixth. And ideally, I don't have the insight into this, but... If the coaches can pinpoint why he regressed offensively last season, and if they feel comfortable with the idea that he's closer to 2022 offensively than 2023, then go ahead and hit him higher in the order. I just, I don't know that. And I'm looking and I'm dreaming on Manzardo and Bo Naylor and thinking I need some power, some meat in the middle of that order. That's why I structured mine the way I did. But again, like I have no issue hitting Jimenez second. Or third, or first. I don't. I don't. But I don't. I don't know about that yet. I I feel like there's not another spot in the lineup where Quan makes sense. Honestly, ninth on a really really good team. But I think he's better than he showed last year. I think maybe some approach tweaks, which he said he made. More on that next week. But. Mm. Um, like that tease. I don't know. What a weird lineup. But also weird because it, as I was looking at it, Jimenez, as you said, the lefty-righty thing, if he's going good, I don't think that matters much. Quan is sort of the same thing. I don't, I don't think of him being a drastic hitter one way or another. Maybe time will show us that that's different, but... So those are two guys that I'm not concerned about the whole lefty-righty thing. Then there's Josh Naylor, who last year proved it wasn't a problem, but prior to that, it was a problem. Kyle Manzardo, that's one of the biggest questions about him. Is he going to be able to hit left-handed pitching in the, the major leagues? We don't know that. And then there's this one righty that I have to break up all of these lefties, but what does he do better? He hits, apparently, right. if you believe in the reverse splits, he hits the righties better. So I can't even use him to break up this string of lefties just for balance sake. So you also have to think about who's on your bench. And in this exercise, it's Loriano, it's Hedges. And I think it's Freeman and straw. No, like I, I don't think there's room yeah. for, there's certainly not room for De Los Santos. If Menzardo's on the roster. Mm-hmm. And as much as I want fry 
to prevent hedges from hitting much and to get another right-handed stick in there, who is he replacing? Do you want like, to? I, th I think in the grand scheme, and as I included in my roster projection, I, I, I kind of think it's Brennan versus Fry. But that's difficult because Brennan is my my guy that's going to be starting against righties in my mind. And if you're looking at the depth charts at Fangraphs, it would have Ramon Laureano just listed as the right field starter. And I guess there's a scenario where he just does. He he just plays every day in right field or the majority of days in right field. But also in that, what you just painted, there's no De Los Santos. Are they just going to ship him, ship him back to Arizona? Yeah, it's not far. He's already here. I don't know. You want to you 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 want to just let that walk out the door when you don't well, no, have a I lot mean, of those sorts of power guys that you're dreaming on at the age of 20 years old. He's it's so interesting because you can say all the reasons he's going to make it. Like they knew this conundrum existed when they took him in December, right? They worked with him in January out here in February. They'll have him in March. They're having him play corner outfield, just how many, how much versatility can you show so that we can find more ways to get your bat in the lineup and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, and yet at the same time, it's like, you know that he and Manzardo can't really coexist on the roster, especially at the outset. When does that change? Like, we're looking at this and we're like, well, we have Manzardo, so no De Los Santos. Okay, flip it. You're going to want Manzardo up here it's not opening day on whatever, April 19th. I don't know. Even if you wait till June. Okay. What are you doing with De Los Santos when Manzardo comes up? Is he strictly a corner outfielder at that point? Are there enough at bats? Is that worth a roster spot? Who's he replacing? Is he standing in Brennan's way the rest of the year? Rodriguez, Valera. Like, when would he even play corner outfield? Quan plays every day, and you want Loriano yeah. against lefties. And yeah. De Los Santos, you would prefer versus left. It, it's it's a weird fit. I included him on my roster, but I admit it's hard to really envision how he sticks it out for one sixty two. So if Manzardo's not on the team, who's occupying that start in this that spot in the starting lineup? I mean, he could, or it could just be like straw in center, Floreal somewhere. And it's not pretty. You get at bats for Freeman. You could rotate mm -hmm. Fry. I don't know. Yeah. Gonna run with one less reliever for your rookie manager? Rookie manager who was a bullpen coach last year? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's how you're going to squeeze a Ben Lively or a Carlos Carrasco, as you did in your roster projection. He's on the team. Lively is not. I believe Lively has an option still, and he's making nothing. So that's not really a – that's not standing in the way. His the, the fact that you offered him a major league contract with the option, you could just send him to the minor leagues and keep a Carrasco. And then that maintains some level of your depth. So I, I understood kind of what you were getting at there. 
But the in building a bench, it's difficult because you do want Ramon Laureano. Straw's not going anywhere, so th- those two are going to be on the team. And then you need a backup infielder, even though you have versatility in Jimenez and, and Arias. You need a backup infielder, and I want Tyler Freeman to get some playing time, even if it's like, we'll see if, if Vote is willing to do this, but what about against lefties, Freeman starts at second base, and Jimenez plays shortstop. That way, Arias isn't facing the lefty. Freeman gets into the lineup. You could do that. but There is a magical elixir here. Oh, what is this? 27 players. You just use Game Genie, and you unlock a 27th player every single day. What about a switch hitter by the name of Juan Brito? Oh, sure. Let's complicate this even more. Yeah, let's do that. Complicate? That solves a lot. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But then what happens to Arias? What happens to Freeman? You just DFAing them? Just letting them walk? What's happening here? You send them on a long hike. Uh, To what? The Tampa Bay Rays system where they unlock their full potential? Okay, thanks. No, I'm just saying, like, there's... Switch hitters make everything easier. And there is one who could factor into the mix here mid-season. Mid-season, sure. But how's that going to fix things now? It's not. And what's the line? Where Where is the, the end of the leash here for, for these players? What do they have to be doing for that next level to be unlocked? I have no idea. That's why we've been talking about this for months <laughs> and we've resolved nothing. How do you decide to go with a Brito instead of a Rocchio? What if they're both performing similarly at... at Whatever level they're at, I would assume AAA at that point. Go with both. Go with both. Okay, sure. Put Brito in right field. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, because the people are people are saying the defense is not anything to be too excited about with Brito. So maybe he finds his home in the corner outfield, just like everybody else. I think the bottom line here is it's a mess. The pieces don't fit. There are too many pieces that look somewhat intriguing that I don't really know how you cycle from one option to the other if as you put it last week like what if what if Arias is just adequate then what um, so it's really tricky I will say the bottom line here is just if guys hit they'll figure it out you'll smush the pieces together but you need guys to hit and I look at this lineup and I, I I feel better about it than I did last year. And I think a lot of that is just you don't have Zanino's straw at the bottom. It is a little wild that we're talking about a lineup where you could have your catcher in center field out of the 8-9 combo. Because <laughs> that's where they've just been. That's been their home for so long. But now you could have a nailer hitting the fifth, fourth in your lineup. You could have Floreal hitting seventh, and it could make a little bit of sense. I, I don't know what they're going to do. We get to sit here and criticize whatever they choose to do, but I would not want to be in the position of trying to make these decisions. Now, I think you and I maybe would have gotten out in front of this a little bit more. Hopefully, you would have looked to maybe trade some of your shortstops a while ago. And yeah, there's there's always that risk that you trade the wrong guy, but if you do it early enough, hopefully the, whatever you're getting back is still something that's helping you, and so both teams get what they want out of it. 
But it doesn't make it any easier today to figure this out. And we don't have the benefit of, like you said, seeing them hit or not hit. But the problem is they're going to have to make some choices based on spring training. And we know those numbers are ridiculous. What what does it matter what you do in the the thin Arizona air? You hit a home run there. That's great. You're doing it against the double-A pitcher. That's wonderful. Is that winning you a roster spot? How do they, without just sorting the, the leaderboard at the end of spring, how do they make these, these decisions? Because they have to utilize that data to some degree to, to award the job, but we know it's not just going to be based on who has the best spring numbers. I, I, don't, I think it's very little about the numbers. I think it's about the input, not the output. And a lot of it is taking the results from last season and pairing it with off-season changes, messaging, and seeing what might be different. There's so much fluctuation year to year with every player. And it's understanding why that fluctuation exists that helps you make decisions about your future. So if it's, you know, every player is working on something. They're trying to get better at something. And do... So so you're you're not looking at maybe you know did did Brennan go over 3 in this game against the Reds on March 16th you're looking did he swing at the pitches you want him to swing at did he take more risks and like swing with more authority when he was ahead in the count did he hit the ball harder you're looking at those things, those ingredients, more so than, yeah, he went one for three. He's hitting 333. Okay, well, that one was a bloop that if the left fielder wasn't 19 years old, probably would have caught. And the two outs were actually, you know, he worked good at bats and he swung at the pitches you want him to swing at. And um, he hit a missile that was caught and he struck out, but it was... It was a nine-pitch at bat, and it was, you know, he fought off some pitches that last year he would have chased. And, you know, it's like like the big thing that I think they're trying to teach, and it's interesting because last year they were trying to teach this to Oscar Gonzalez. This year, like they're teaching, this is a message to everybody, but it's really for the contact guys, the Quans, the Brennans, the Freemans, the Straws, um even like the Rokios, where it is so much better to be down in the count 0-1 than to be 0 for 1. You know, if there's that pitch that's on the outside corner and you're so good at making contact that if you swing at that just to make contact because you you're it is your instinct to want to just hit every single pitch you see, but the best you're going to do with that is just like roll it over to second base. That is the worst thing you can do. It is better to swing and miss at that pitch. So it's getting these contact guys to be comfortable with the idea of swinging and missing. Because a swing and miss is better than putting it in play weekly where it's going to be an out. So that's the big message. So can those hitters prove that They've made changes to their approach, changes to their bat angle, maybe improvements at their bat speed, whatever it is that will set them up for success this season. You're not going to see whether that 
improved or not just based on three at bats in a Cactus League game, two of them against A ball pitchers. Like the the environment just isn't always conducive to drawing conclusions. So it's more so just and this is why like they have pitching lab, they have a hitting lab and you simulate experiences and you get all the technology and all the data on them and you have instant feedback and that helps drive your decision. So I think people do that. You look like, well, why didn't Micah Preeze get 600 plate appearances with the Guardians last year after the spring he had? Well, this is why. It's about the input. And we're not always privileged enough to hear what they tell a player to be working on. And so with Rokio last year, we, we looked at that and that didn't make sense to us. Like why, where did some of the power that maybe was blossoming a couple of years ago, where did that go? And how did you become this guy that was now being more of a walk, strikeout, contact conscious guy? That might have been just been the messaging to him. Now, maybe he took it too far. Maybe he took it too far to the other extreme and he's got to self-correct a little bit. But sometimes we don't know exactly what has been told to a player. Like Gabriel Arias, the early stages of last year, he was demonstrating a lot more patience. But I didn't know if it was real patience because I know I can't do anything with that pitch. Or was it, well, they've told, told me to be patient, so the bat is just planted on my shoulder. And no matter where the ball is, I'm just not going to swing. And by the the nature of some balls are outside the strike zone, I'm going to walk, even even though it really wasn't my doing. And so there's there's some degree of guys maybe following through on what they've been told, and that could potentially give them better standing for that job. I, I'm interested what you're talking about. Could they even be so granular about it that they're looking at a a 2-0 pitch in a particular zone, and oh, look, he doesn't do well against that sort of pitch. When he swings at it, he's got a terrible OPS, and he let it go by. He let it go by, and so that's showing growth on his part. And so they write it, that's a positive. That's a positive on the check mark. But what I would love to see at the end of the day, is it just like a giant sheet, and they just tally up who had the most positive? Like maybe uh, in kindergarten. Pros and cons lists. <laughs> you just get like a star. You got three gold stars today. That puts you at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. I mean, remember they used to have a leaderboard in there for first pitch strikes by the pitchers? Ah, that's right. That would be a competition all spring. That's right, yeah. I'm just envisioning, like, they're they're being it up on the, the board. And at the end, if they get enough gold stars, they get a movie party. They get to choose the movie. <laughs> what movie is it going to be? I do, do enjoy Do you feel the... better? Go ahead. I was just going to say, doing this exercise, even though many of the names are the same, even though there was not the splashy move or really any move over the offseason, If you take off your February spring training rose-colored glasses, do you feel better about the lineup? Even after last season. Feel better compared to what? Well, compared to last season. I mean, we I think we went into 2023 expecting this team to just slash and dash again and 
all would be fine, especially with Josh Bell and Zanino. And obviously that didn't work. So compare how you felt about the lineup. I don't know. After they got no hit, Cole Calhoun was hitting fourth. I don't know. Better. It, that's such a difficult word to to describe whether I feel better. But I, I feel more intrigued. I feel more interested because you had okay. an off you had an off season where where either it's Arius or Rocchio had a chance to work long big picture where you're not having at bats and so it's just only focused on adjustments. It, like in, in the regular season, it's tough to make adjustments because you're also worried about trying to get on first base or more. And so in the off season, you're fully committed to just the adjustments that you're making, so you can make big sweeping changes based just on that. So I, I'm excited to see what they did with this offseason to see what sort of hitters they become and what they sh- as they're getting closer to what should be their peak seasons. Yeah, that that's intriguing. I am so much more intrigued about center field than I certainly felt this time last year at any point. And that, that's not even knowing that Florial is going to be better than a 83 WRC plus or whatever he was in a brief time this past year with the Yankees. But I also see a guy that at AAA hit 28 home runs and was he still 30 bases? Or, so he's got that sort of ability. I don't know if it's going to come out, but my goodness, I'm intrigued to see if it can. So better? Do I feel better? No, because I think there's there's not really a great safety net here. <laughs> I think it could be awful. But I'm also, I think I'm going to have more fun in that free fall, even if I do free fall. I'll tell you where we're going to have more fun is with our hot takes episode Ooh. because of all this. Ooh. I can hear it in your voice, the things you're imagining with <laughs> Florial and Bo Naylor. Haven't I already said I've and, already said all of this. I think yeah. <laughs> the, the whole, the whole uh, since 2024 happened, that's been my giant hot take. Winking Lizard's going to have to create some new sauces. I did enjoy Sam Hentges getting some love from Mike Petriello as it wasn't even it wasn't even great love. It was just an article about biggest misses in terms of where the pitch was and where the bat came, just based on some new technology that they have. I don't know if you actually looked at that article, but there was a uh, an at bat with Sam Hentges against Trey Turner last year, where Trey Turner swung and he missed by four point seven feet, and that's just like as you're thinking about it, it's not just up and down. It's like if your bat is so far out in front. And then the pitch comes in. That's how you miss by that wide margin. So they actually have this tracking where you can see in slow motion. When you see it in real time, it looks like the bat clears at the same time the pitch comes in because it's happening within milliseconds. But as you see it slowed down, his bat comes through and it looks like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. The bat comes through. And then here comes the pitch. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous as he missed that much on a curveball from Sam Henches. And the, Petriello says, oh, Trey Turner got the last laugh because he, I think he went on to double in that at-bat. But I, I'm still, I'm so here for the Sam Henches hype. I know you are because you've been predicting that he's Andrew Miller for three years. So take your bow. I think it's, I think this might be the year. I think it's finally happening for Sam. Oh, I'm sorry. That, that might have been a hot take. It might have been a hot take. His numbers are insane. In August and September of the last two years, he's got like a ERA of under one. And the walk to strikeout rate is ridiculous. It's the first few months. And last year he was 
returning from injury, whatever. But um, if he can just take whatever changes in August and September and apply that to the whole season, he's Andrew Miller. That reminded me of like when you'd get a new baseball video game and you weren't sure about like the controls yet or the timing. <laughs> and I'd be it'd be the first pitch of the first game I'm playing and it'd come at me and I'd swing immediately. And then it'd be like a 75 mile an hour curveball that would plop in five minutes later. For like the first week, you're you're just Gabriel Arias taking everything to the opposite field because you can't quite time up to pull the ball. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is so totally accurate. We're all living in a simulation anyway, so maybe that was just the Trey Turner at bat was just somebody's first time playing the game. They figured it out later in the at bat. They got it. And this this time of year. You saw the Nationals say, I don't care how fast you throw ball four, those signs up. I I, I actually will ca- care about that because I, I care about your ability to throw hard. <laughs> we'll work on the control, but I do hope that you throw hard because that really takes you from being a yeah, pitcher to a really good one. And speaking of which, that asteroid passed by at 40,000 miles per hour, but wouldn't you know it? Missed its target. I like how you worked that back in. Well done. Thank you. I can't wait to see what your hot takes are going to be. I got to workshop them. I, I thought last year I was a little tame. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. And remember, we, we get rid of that episode. We delete it after we post it. We don't remember anything we said in those episodes. So don't worry. I, w- I went fully optimistic Zach Meisel. We should probably do that with a lot of episodes. <laughs> Mark them all as private on YouTube. Don't go back and watch those. Don't do it. See ya.